and I was this young junior, just naive and a little cocky actually, uh, and uh, <laughs> I did it and I beat them. I, I didn't have a clue how how I was going to race or how I would go. I ended up beating them, and I thought, oh, this is it's way better than doing um, Olympic distance. You don't have to suffer quite as much, and you, you can sort of. I, I was definitely had the endurance gene, so that was my first one. I think in two thousand, and and when I won yeah. it, I thought, well, I'm terrible at cornering. I'm terrible at um, the stop start in ITU style racing. Uh, this maybe is this is my calling. So it sort of progressed from oh. there. Welcome to the Beck and Siri Show. And here at Team Series Tri Club, it's not just about swim, bike, run. It's about who you become. On our show, we don't just talk to you about swimming, cycling, and running. We talk about mindset. We talk about fearless authenticity and being your very best self. Hi there, Cam here from Team Sirius. Special episode this week. Uh, we're taking you back a few years when Beck was interviewed by Bevan McKinnon from the Fitter Radio podcast. Fitter Radio podcast is an awesome triathlon podcast. I suggest you check it out, and you can do that at fitter.co.nz. I was actually speaking with sound engineer Chris, uh, who edits the podcast the other day, and uh, she said that this is still one of their very favourite interviews. So I hope you enjoy it. Now, if you want to hear a fascinating story about someone who's been in the triathlon game since almost year dot, mm. then here's Rebecca Keat. So on today's Hot Property interview, we're, we're really, really pleased to be able to welcome Rebecca Keat to the show. Now, Rebecca has a long history in the sport of triathlon, um, and she's about to race some challenge events in the States uh, in her upcoming season. So welcome to the show, Bex. Thanks, Bevan. Uh, I should be interviewing <laughs> you, seeing as you kicked my butt a few times in Tauranga. <laughs> Thank you very much. That is, to the listeners of the show, that is not staged. He has not been that, kicked that. by me, so I have all, much more. Yeah, I have much more respect for you as as a journalist and an athlete now. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> and that concludes our interview. <laughs> and it goes downhill from now. No. <laughs> um, so uh, I'm I'm really really pleased to be able to uh, to get you on the show because I mean uh, I'm not trying to age you in any way, oh, but you've been around. Yeah for a hell of a long time um you'll be coming up probably about 20 odd years mm -hmm. in the sport how did you know that i always lie and say it's 16 but then i worked it out with siri because I, <laughs> I raced with her for 15 15 years ago and i said oh my god my first triathlon was when i was 17 17 and oh dear back, 37 how did you get 20 <laughs> How did you get into it? So you were um, always pretty active, eh? Well, yeah, well, I did everything. I was such a tomboy. And uh, my sister as well. I had a twin, Simi, my sister Simone, and we were really, really competitive at school at everything. But the funny thing was, and no one believes me, and she hates it when I say this, but she used to beat me at everything. She was a natural <laughs> athlete. I was a natural athlete, but she was... She, we'd go running in school cross country. She'd wait till 100 metres to go, and she'd take <laughs> off. I could never go with her. She won every age championship. And then, <laughs> thankfully for me, her social life took over and she started going out and having a few drinks and, you know, and that you encouraged you, Oh, I like you that. Encouraged like, that you, you, go, you go drinking and she'd come in, <laughs> come in from 6 o'clock in the morning from going out drinking. I'd be out going swim training and I said to my mum and dad, this is the only way I'm going to be able to beat her. And then she kind of stopped doing all sport after that. She just sort of did dancing. She was a really good dancer. I have two left feet, so complete opposite there. But um, I think it was that competitiveness as, as twins growing up. Um, I, I was always getting second, and I just decided that, right, this is it. I'm going to start training, and I actually want to win something instead of being second to, to my twin sister. <laughs> and, you, and you guys are really close, aren't We're you? We're really, you? really close. I miss her to death. She's... Um, She's on the Gold yeah. Coast, and I just went back there, and I hate leaving her. We are uh, me, yeah. me, me, Simi, my sister, and my mother. We're all really, really close. Um, 
Yeah. Uh, that, that's awesome. And she's obviously spurred you on because yeah. when you became a triathlete, yeah. um, you've got a couple of world junior titles to your name, both duathlon and triathlon. Mm. Yeah, my 1996. A long time. Oh, my God. <laughs> I know. I actually qualified last in that. And um, I had a Romanian coach, Michael Osi, who was a swim coach at the time. He said, Jesus Christ, lady, you need to learn to swim. And that was it. I had to learn to swim. He said, you got to learn to swim. So he was. he actually taught me how to suffer. I remember him punching a brick wall because I said, oh, I'm really hurting. I don't know if I can do this. Uh, you never say that to Michael Ursu. And he punched the wall. He grated his fingers along the wall so he bled, like had skin coming off, and he said, that is pain. And I said, <laughs> oh, my God. I, I ha- actually hated him at the time, but then after a couple of years, I realized he was actually uh, um, he actually had a really soft heart. and he, uh, he definitely taught me how to suffer, and that was my first World Championships, and I ended up winning and um, did not expect that at all. But... I, I had him to thank for that because he taught me how to suffer like like nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> which is a which is a definitely a nice skill set to have as a triathlete. It is. I mean, I, I say that all the old girls now. I talk about being old because I feel old. The girls that have been in the sport for a long time, like myself and Marinda, and we say like we really. I, I can still suffer a lot, but I feel like I've just had so much pain over the years that I don't know how much more I'm willing to, to suffer like I used to as a junior. Like I think I've got that base and that fitness that. Um, I just like to try and top it up every now and then, but uh, I, I yeah. definitely did a lot of suffering when I was younger. So it's it's just sort of like trying to keep the base, but do you know just do what you need to do. <laughs> just, yeah, yeah. I, I think I, I spoke to someone the other day. Uh, actually, it was it was actually Joe Friel that I was having oh, a yeah. conversation with, and he said <laughs> we we draw away from the suffering as we get older. Yeah, we, it's not, we we err towards that long steady stuff because we believe we become a bit more diesel like when. That stuff that we used to thrive on mm. when we were younger athletes is is not quite as um, appetising it was yeah. <laughs> as was it. Yeah, I mean, I I still can really hurt myself. I think I th- I feel like I've done all, an, enough suffering and that I, I can suffer like you know once one or two sessions, maybe three or four sessions a week. But I say to Siri like, and Siri knows she's been there and. She, I said to you, I say to her, come for a ride, and she says, I don't want to hurt anymore. I hurt so many for so many years. I won a world championship, and I don't want to hurt anymore. I said, I don't want to hurt anymore, but I know I need to if I want to be good, so I don't have a choice. <laughs> well, you, after after 1996, I mean, you had um, a lot of success as a junior and so forth, but you also had a bit of a love affair with the Mount Half Ironman here in New Zealand, didn't you? I mean, you some guy. I'm like, no, I've ch- I've <laughs> no, you're the- a long way off now. <laughs> <laughs> I did my research. Yeah, yeah. I know my Mount stuff. Manganui. Oh, I love that place. That's one of my probably it's my favorite place in New Zealand. One of my favorite ever races. And I keep every year I get the invite to come back, and I just I would die to come back there. It's just such a long way from here. But um, that run it around the, the mountain, it's just beautiful. Oh, I love that race. Yeah, three years in a row. I know. I know. I need to come back one day. I'll come back uh, when, jo- uh, when Joanne, um, when Joanne comes back. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll go and have a word yeah, to Joe. Yeah. I know she's running a lot at the moment, uh, and I, I guarantee you there's another triathlon left oh, in the sure. system for her. Oh, they have babies so, and they go faster. She'll probably kick my butt. I shouldn't have said that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. So three years in a row, that, that must have been pretty pleasing, and that was sort of really where you were starting to develop your name as a, as a middle-distance athlete. Yeah, I um I was training with Cole Stewart at the time, and he threw me into my first ever half in Cairns, and I was so unpre- I felt so underprepared, but little did I know that he'd pretty much been training us to prepare us for that. And he threw me in there, and I had Joanne King and Rena Hill, two world champions, 
and I was this young junior, just naive and a little cocky actually, uh, and uh, <laughs> I did it and I beat them. I, I didn't have a clue how how I was going to race or how I would go. I ended up beating them, and I thought, oh, this is this is way better than doing um, Olympic distance. You don't have to suffer quite as much, and you, you can sort of. I, I was definitely had the endurance gene, so. That was my first one, I think, in 2000. And, and when I won yeah. it, I thought, well, I'm terrible at cornering. I'm terrible at um, the stop-start in ITU-style racing. Uh, this maybe is this is my calling. So it sort of progressed from well, there. Well, the mount course is pretty simple. Uh, yeah. Pancake, flat, yeah. go out in one direction, turn around and come back. Yeah. Not, not that technical. You must have loved it. But the mount run. Yeah, that's hard. I mean, it's a... Yeah, that's hard. Yeah, I I did it in when I was I jogged around it on the the day two days before. I thought, oh yeah, this isn't too bad. But on race day, when you're on the throttle and you, you yeah. if you're leading, you want to be you know pushing it. Oh god, it, it's really hard. It's actually like you underestimate it for sure. But um, but that town just gets behind it, and that uh, the people there. It's just I just love it. I'd go back there for a holiday tomorrow. I've got a friend that lives there, and she always says, "Come back and maybe I'll have to base around the race next year." <laughs> Yeah, well, we'll put the pressure on because I'm sure that they would love to have you back, and yeah. obviously it gives me a reason to train. Yeah, I, oh, God, no, please don't go. I have to try and trick you then, okay. Right, I think go. you probably could now because I'm going to have to concede Ironman fastest times to you, definitely, but yeah. we, we won't talk about oh, yeah. that. I won't go into that at the moment. So not long after that, you took out Western Australia, and that was your first Iron Distance victory? Yeah, it was a... Um I'd done a lot of halves and I'd won every single one. So the the writing was kind of on the wall, but I really didn't know what I was getting into. And Belinda Granger convinced me that I should do one. Um, I had Never. no, I had no idea. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember on the day I got round the first bike loop and I had the lead motorbike. And I mean, really, to be honest, there wasn't a lot of competition, but I was sort of comparing myself to the men. And my time was was still quite good. And I did the first lap and I felt unbelievable. And I thought. Am I going too hard? Like, it doesn't feel that hard. I heard Belinda say, well, Beck Keith's gone out like a bat out of hell. I don't know if she can hold this. And I thought, oh, it doesn't feel that bad. I can't be going that hard. So then I backed off a little bit, but I never forget those words. And, uh, yeah, it was awesome having her commentate me because she was kind of my idol at the time, so... Oh, definitely. Mm-hmm. I mean, and she she's done enough Ironmans to, uh, for, yeah, for any man on her job. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Now, um, not long after that, though, your world was about to really uh, come crashing down because mm. you're one of the very few athletes um, who actually tested positive for a steroid, mm. and it was an inadvertent positive, wasn't it? It was yeah. actually proven to be taken from the supplements that you were being given by your supplement sponsor. So you received a, a two-year ban then, and that must have been an incredibly tough time. Yeah, it's... <laughs> I had, I still have trouble talking about it, um, and it still feels quite raw, even though it was a long time ago. But but at the time, I actually I was in complete shock, and I still remember getting the phone call. And I had a flatmate at the time, and I answered the phone, and I shriveled. I actually dropped the phone, shaking and shriveled, because I actually didn't even know what it was. She said, "You've tested positive to nandrolone," and I said, "What's nandrolone?" Like I had no idea what it was, no idea how it happened. I absolutely was just not I can't describe how I felt obviously it felt like I was given the death sentence and uh so I didn't know I didn't know how it happened I started to think was it the chicken that I ate would somebody spike my drink on the course they were recycling bottles like I just thought how the hell am I ever going to find out how this happened and as I started to research more so a few stories had come out that people had produced high amounts and I thought maybe my body just you know I know I'm quite masculine maybe my body produced you know abnormal amounts I just I really needed to 
find an answer and it was uh it took a long time and a lot of a little bit of luck really because we still had some of the, the supplements that were uh, still sealed that we could test so I was very lucky there but I had some amazing people supporting me my sister moved home um, <laughs> there were points where I wanted to you know I probably could have ended my life but um I thankfully well, got through that and I had my sister there helping me, so I was, I'm very... Yeah, well, it was a very interesting situation, really, because, um, you know, to anyone looking in from the outside, mm-hmm. you know, that's the uh, defence that you had is is what seems to be the defence of everybody exactly. who's ever been caught for... Mm-hmm. So, But in your position, what was, was really lucky is not only um, did you find some support in terms of... Uh, it was Mr. Jacobs. Was Howard he? Jacobs, yeah, he's a sports yeah, he, lawyer. Um, he has worked for <laughs> for known drug cheats as well, but fortunately, he heard about my case. He heard what it was I tested positive for. He he saw the amount, and he he said he knew straight away that I was innocent, and that um, he knew of me, and um, I was really really lucky. I, he contacted me, and he said, "Write down every supplement you were taking." I said, "But what about the chicken? And what about this? I've read stuff about about pork or meat or, or something in meat that people eat." And he said, "No." you need to write down everything you took and being a little naive and being a junior we really weren't that educated on supplements and everybody just took supplements it's the thing we took supplements we didn't know the risks of american supplements so i was sponsored by american company um thankfully i had him i wrote down everything i'd taken sent it to him and he said do you have any of it left i said no i don't I said, well, this is where it gets difficult because we need to be able to prove it to vindicate you and i thought oh god what, what am i going to do and um Oh, I was just so bloody lucky. I was actually in my garage. It would have to have been over a year, I mean, nearly a year later because it took us, we were just endless nights of no sleep, researching and researching and researching until we actually finally found Howard um, and Carl was in contact with us. And uh, I went to my garage. I had my, obviously wasn't allowed to race. I had my sports bag in the garage and I was cleaning it out and all of a sudden I looked in my bag and there was actually sealed samples of this, salt tablets that I was using in the race and they were still sealed and I quickly rang him and I said you won't believe I've actually found some of the samples that are in my bag still I don't know if they're from the same batch I'll be bloody lucky if they are and they thank god (laughs) somebody was looking after me because we actually managed to have um accredited um ex-accredited water lab test them and they found it in there and I, I remember getting the phone call at work I was personal training because Kind of getting teary talking about this, but I was personal training at the time, and I remember I had a client, and my sister rang me and said, "Oh my God, they found it in them," and I said, and "I just started bawling and laughing at the same time." My client said, "Are you okay?" I said, "Oh my God, it's, it's joy of tears, it's tears of joy, it's tears of joy." And they said, "Oh my God, what's going on?" And I just said, "Oh, it's long story, but." They found it in them, and I just, oh my God, it was. You, I'm, I'm sure so you happy. It had been just the most difficult I, time of my life, and I just couldn't I think I it. think I, I know exactly it. what you would have done. Is you would have actually got you would have actually gone I and put your drunk. swimsuit on and, and started training I was again. Still, I was still training, you know. I was trying so hard in my band because I knew I was innocent. I just had to prove it, and I I, I knew I just knew that one day I'd yeah. be able to prove it. And I thought, and I was actually training so so hard um, while I was personal training, like thirty hours a week. I was training and training because I knew that. Someday, I knew I only had the two-year ban, but I knew that someday I would be able to prove that that, that I was innocent. Yeah. And it was just, God, I can't believe I'm still Made crying. Over. It was just the most amazing no, no. feeling I, I, to know that yeah. finally I've yeah. been vindicated. I've proven it. It's 
That's incredible. But also at the same time, however, because when I was doing the research in and around um, uh, your interview, mm. it, you weren't the only person um, mm. that had been tested positive out of this particular supplement use, were you? There were actually two other cyclists yeah. that ended up joining the class action um, with Mr. Jacobs in terms of trying to fight for their uh, for their names, basically. Yeah, we had um, we had um, Michael Vine, who was who was a uh, mountain biker sponsored by the same company. And um, Amber Neben was her name, I think, the cyclist. And uh, we were all sponsored, and we were all given obviously the same simple, the same sample batches to try. And um, it, it did make my case. It, it made me feel so much better, but it made our case so much stronger that there happened to be three of us. And it, it was really yeah. hard because the owners of the company were sort of like, "You're dragging our name through the mud, and we're, we're innocent. You, you, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna uh, counter sue you." And I thought. <laughs> No, it's it's pretty yeah. obvious when there's three of us, and we've actually found it in there, you know. So um, yeah, and it was, it was and, and and as you said to me before, um, from there on in, you're probably now the most cautious athlete yeah. in the world. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm actually it's it's quite ridiculous. It's slowly gotten better over the years. Like I will use um, the 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 sodium, pure sodium tablets from an Australian chemist. Um, yep. But living in the States I'm just, and anywhere I go, but mostly the States because they're American supplements. And I was actually really lucky when I was vindicated. Um, I was really, really proud of myself because the Australian Anti-Doping Agency, ASADA, subcontracted me to do lectures on inadvertent doping and the risks of supplements. And that gave me a way of giving back and saying it can happen and don't be naive and be educated. Yeah. And I was, I was really proud of ASADA for taking that stance because um, I think that's what we needed. We needed athletes to know that it, it can happen, even if it's a one in a million chances. These junior kids, like I remember sitting there with a 100 of them in the room and I said, put your hand up if you're using supplements. 99 of them will put their hand up. I said, keep your hand up if you know where they're, where they're made. And uh, probably only about three had their hand left. And I said, so guys, you don't know where the products are made. Do you know what's in them? Some, some of them didn't even know what was in them. And I said, this is the risk. And Luckily now, the risk isn't as high because, well, definitely in Australia, we're not allowed to sell steroids over the counter. You can go to Rite Aid here in the States and buy bloody the stuff yeah. that I was banned for, DHEA and Nandrolone, which yeah. is scary because it means that factories, uh, it's so easy for cross-contamination. I, th I think it's gotten better, but the risk is just people, the juniors sort of sit there and go, oh, my God, what about Coca-Cola? I said, no, guys, you're okay if you yeah. Coca-Cola, but you just have to <laughs> be aware, you know. Yeah, so I was yeah. I was glad I could give back and you know be involved with that. Well, that was a that was a hugely testing time for you in your career. But the moment that you came out of the band, <laughs> tell me what cool. winning Ironman Australia in two thousand and seven felt like. Oh, I was like on a mission. I <laughs> I did. I actually won. The, I think I won the half Ironman long course champs first, and um, all the guys that had been through the disappointment and the ban and everything with me, my family and also my close friends that were some personal trainers and some clients. I said, you guys all have to come to this race. I was so confident that I was going to win because I was so angry yeah. at the way I'd been treated and the way I'd been judged in the court, public opinion. And I, I said, I have to prove this. And I know there's still going to be people that are going to go, oh, you, maybe you're still on something or you were, you know, you're taking something. She's still on it. That's what I was, you know, I was still being called the cheat, which was just, yeah, I yeah. guess I got used to I got used to that, um, but um, thankfully it's been sort of noted now, and there's been a lot of you know sort of stuff published of what, what what's happened on the other side of it. But I had all the all those guys down there watching me, and I was on a mission. I was not going to lose that race, and I won the half Ironman chance, long course chance, and then I went and won Ironman Australia, and 
oh, I was just crying. I was crying the whole finish line because <laughs> it just felt it was just the sweetest victory ever. It was probably sweeter than my first win because it meant so much more to me than being able to come back after that. Because I think I think poor Amber. I don't know if she continued after that. She was she was pretty messed up after the yeah after the positive. So. Well, that yeah. year was also successful because you went on to Kona and placed sixth. Yeah. So she, it was a real year of redemption for you. It was, and I um, actually lost my dad um, about a week before the race. So. Um, oh, before oh, I didn't yeah. know that before Kona. Yeah, that made it. Uh, that made it even still one of my probably favourite races. I drew. I, I could either go either way. I was so exhausted from crying from losing dad, and then. Um, and then in the other sense, Dad had raced the Molokai there in Hawaii, and he loved Hawaii. And I'd been there with him to, to do a World Cup years before. And I thought, you just need to use his strength. And Maka, I actually talked to Maka because he'd lost his mum, and he said, you have to do what he would want. And I had the best race. I actually felt like he was pushing me the whole way with his hand on my back. So, yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, it's, I feel guilty now because I've made you cry in the oh, interview as well. Okay. About it. I didn't think why... that would have been so long, and I used to cry. I, and and we talked about it. We talked before the interview oh, as well, and you were fine. Just bringing but that's back, okay. yeah, when I go through the actual steps of how it happened, it's yeah. just, uh, when I remember when yeah. I was lecturing, I'd cry in front of the kids, and I'd be so embarrassed. I think some of the 13 and 15-year-olds would be like, who is this woman? She's crying. <laughs> I was like, you don't understand. <laughs> uh, well, I think I think also it gives, it gives weight to what that period actually meant to you and still does mean in terms of your career as a triathlete and also just your, your life because it was a hugely testing time for you but that 2007 it, it was a really an opportunity to prove to everyone that you were the athlete that you ha- had always been. Um, were you working with Brett Sutton through that time, or when no, did you I actually didn't move? Until with... two thousand and nine, um, I was actually okay. coaching myself. You know, I had. Um, it's funny when something like that happens, you can come out of it either way, and I'm just that sort of person that just it just drove me and. I was on a mission and I, I coached myself. I trained harder than I ever had. I, I did base a lot of it on Bill Davron's program that had got me to the win initially, but um, I, I trained all on my own. I, I swam with a squad, but I trained my, swim, my bike and my run all on my own. And I lost a lot of weight. And I did a lot of strength work in the gym um, with a personal trainer at the time. And um, it, was, it was all, honestly, it was all mental. I was, I was so determined. <laughs> I wasn't anything hold me back, yeah. But in, in that time then you finally did move into the Team TBB yep. setup. Um, that must have been uh, a great time as well because that was in the days where Chrissy Wellington mm. and Belinda and Hilary Biscay, yep. that all those athletes must have been involved in and around that time that you were with the team. Yeah, I think Chrissy had just left and I was really disappointed about that because um, everyone wanted to train with Chrissy Wellington. Um, she's definitely a freak of the sport. I mean, I know Rennie's gone quicker than her now, but um, I still think to this day, like, she's just, I don't think there's been a better athlete. And she unfortunately left just before I got there and didn't, re- and I think she retired a year later, but I was lucky enough to have one race against her where <laughs> I helped her beat me. Um, yeah. we had a great <laughs> are we talking about, are we talking about Kona? Yeah, yeah. Well, so, so you're famously or infamously known as the athlete who gave her a gas Canada to help her go on to the win. I know, actually, so many people talk to me about this and I just don't understand what was so, you know, good Method? about it. I don't understand. <laughs> I honestly did not think twice. I just saw her there and I thought, oh, my God, she's an amazing athlete. She doesn't deserve to be on the sideline with a flat. The stupidity of it was 
this is just me though. Um, as a person, I'm just I'm just kind and giving. My mum, my mum brought me out like that. I always had, to, always had to share with my sister, and I just remember thinking, "Oh no, she's got a flat." And I didn't ever expect her to come back past me and win it. But I handed her my only CO2 and my only spare. And then afterwards, I thought, "Oh shit, I hope I don't get a flat because I'm stuck." Um, but I handed it to her, not even thinking, and I didn't realise that a lot of the girls, even some of her close friends, I wasn't very close with her at the time, had gone past yeah. her and looked the other way and. It, yeah. I was like, wow, that's, I can't believe that. Um, but then I think if I, if I had the opportunity again, I said to Siri, and she would kill me if I gave it to anybody again, unless it was somebody in our team, I would be in a lot of trouble. And Brett Sutton said to me, if that happens again, you throw it at her head. And I said, <laughs> <laughs> so, but that's just me. I think that either at the time I didn't realize how good a sportsmanship it was, but I did not think twice about doing that. I just thought, oh, the poor thing, she's got a bloody flat. Well, I mean, yeah. in, in the heat of competition, sometimes we don't think, and yeah. I think the, the gesture, you'll forever be remembered for the gesture. Well, I hope um, I'm remembered for a podium there one day, because that is nice to be remembered of that, but I really would like to be remembered to have, for having a podium there. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're going to be remembered for quite a few things, yeah. and I'm sure that 2009 at Challenge Roth mm -hmm, uh, yeah. had to be one of those days, because... I might have got you at uh, the Mount Half Ironman, but eight thirty nine, eight thirty nine, and the second fastest time for a woman in history at that particular point. Um, tell us about that race. I'm going to be really honest here, and I probably haven't said this before, but the race, yeah, I did beat you, yes, but the race at that time it has changed a lot. We were really lucky in the fact that I'm not saying that I cheated or drafted, but. At that time, the race was a little bit different. We started with the age groupers and we did get sucked along in the swim. I had an amazing swim and I would swim as quick as that now, but I wasn't as good a swimmer then. We got, to be honest, we got sucked along in the swim. On the bike, we had, we had a lead car with the world record sitting there and they were actually, they were a little bit too close. And I said, I remember saying to some of the, there was pro men with me and I said, these guys know that they're really close. And, he, and Luke Dragster said to me, it doesn't matter, just keep going, you're going to get the world record. <laughs> and then I was with Chrissy and I, I, I stayed there with sort of pretty close to the car. It was, a, it was a definite advantage, to be honest. And then uh, Chrissy dropped me sort of after the first lap, so I didn't get any advantage after that. But um, but it, back in those days, it, they were a little, bit le a little bit more lenient with, you know, that sort of thing. And that would never happen these days. But um, So I did have that little bit of help. But I remember on the run... I was behind Chrissy. I was quite a bit behind off the bike, maybe 10 minutes or so, maybe more, and four, maybe 14. And Brett Sutton was there and he said, you have the fastest run. You have the fastest run. And Brett <laughs> ran alongside me for like a kilometre. I was so worried he's going to have a heart attack. <laughs> and I thought, oh, shivers, I better have the fastest run. And I ran, my, I ran amazing. I felt so good that day. And I remember I even ate chocolate for the run, believe it or not. And I ran 255. I outran Chrissy. So that was my claim to fame that I outran Chrissy. And um, I got second, but um, it all really came down to my run. I just had the most amazing run and the, um, the the dirt trail. It's a dirt trail, as you know, the whole way, and you just don't get yeah. that same fatigue in your legs. So, You you actually, um, you love that challenge Roth race, don't it. you? Yeah. yeah. I definitely yeah, want to I, go back there. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Well, again, went on to Kona, got a fifth, and mm. then only to find at the end of the race that they disqualified you. I I know, and I, I, you know, to be honest, I didn't know. I should have known. This is, this is again. Um, you learn, you learn something every day. But I didn't know that any three cards could DQ you. I just assumed it was three red cards. And I'll be honest and explain what happened because the first red card 
McKilly Jones and I had been at the front of the pack, of APAC, which we didn't even know we had people behind us. And McKilly said to me, do you know we're towing the whole pack? Oh, I think Belinda might have said to me, you know you're towing a whole pack. I said, what? She goes, there's a whole line behind you that haven't taken a turn. So McKilly came up, took a turn, and she goes, just go to the back. And I said, oh, okay. And we were talking. We both got carded for having a go at the girls drafting. And we sat in the we sat in the penalty box going, this is BS, this is BS. And I remember I, I took a wee in the penalty box and McKilly goes, I'll go, we'll go, we'll go together, we'll work together, like obviously legally. And I said, stuff this, I'm going. And I drilled it and I caught the pack again because I was so angry. I caught the same pack that I'd been done for drafting. And I think it was more of a blocking because we were talking side by side. Caught them, went past, the major group guys came past and then a guy stood up, took a pee, and I got a warning because I came too close to him when he was taking his pee. I had to didn't drop back to 20 metres. And the second warning, I got going down um, the road that you go before transition. I was getting yep. my shoes out way too early, and um, I crossed over the double line and got a warning, and I said, oh, whatever, it's just a warning, not knowing that I'd obviously had three cards and I was, I'd been DQ'd. I had no idea. I wouldn't have done the whole bloody marathon. <laughs> and then I finished and I argued for hours with Jimmy Riccatel. I said, Jimmy, this is, this is not right. Like, I shouldn't have got a red uh, a warning card for crossing the line. He goes, no, you should have. And I said, but he said, that lady didn't know that you'd had two warnings or maybe she would have been a bit more lenient or whatever. But um, then he started explaining uh. to me how he'd been DQ'd at this race. I said, this is a world chance. I just ran into fifth place. I probably would have got third if I didn't have an eight-minute penalty. And... Um, that was bloody awful. That was I was I didn't yeah. want to go back there after that. So this is this is it. I'd I'd be deserve good karma for helping Chrissy and what do I get? I <laughs> get DQ. So, so I'm going back there, I tell you, I have one, I'm gonna have one more crack at it. Cause it's, uh, like I said, yeah. this is why we needed your whole story. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you you've got a story to tell. And now I'm absolutely <laughs> petrified of getting carded that I've gone to the extreme now because I did push the boundaries when I was younger for sure. Um, yep. But now I go to the extreme where I remember um, one of the girls came past. I think it was Rinnie, and she said, "Come on, come on, get on." And I said, "No, not no, not get on as in draft, but stay legal yep. and work with us." And I just thought, "I can't because I'm so scared that I do not ever want to be known as a drafter cheat or sitting on or yeah. taking an unfair advantage." So, so now, so now, yeah, it's once bitten, twice shy. Yeah, exactly. You'll never be done for drugs, and you'll never be done for drugs. <laughs> I haven't been since. I don't think actually. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so after your time with with Brett, um, you started getting coached by Surrey, and now you two are married. That's an interesting coach athlete relationship. So, what first drew you to Surrey as the coach, and how does it work? Um, when you don't want to do what she tells you to do. <laughs> it's funny, you know, not many people ask this, and I wonder why. I think maybe they don't want to get personal, but you're, you're good because you ask, like, some questions that people want to know, and it is an interesting relationship. And um, I think now we're married, I probably try... I try not to bend the rules, but I probably bend the rules a little bit more. But she, she always reminds me and says, "Now that we're married, doesn't mean you can get away with it." And I don't want it, and I don't, I don't want it to look like that either, because the girls here they all train so hard, and I don't, I don't want them to think I'm being favoured. And I, yeah. I feel like sometimes I actually get picked on more than anything. And Dee Dee Grosbell will agree with me. We always feel like Dee Dee's quite close to Siri, and we always say, "Why she pick on us? She always is the one that yells at us, not anyone else." It's like, "I'm your wife. Why are you yelling at me?" 
Um, yeah, we met we met 15 years ago on the circuit, and I looked up to her. She used to kick my ass, and um, I looked up to her when when she first started. And then I moved out of ITU into the long stuff, and we always crossed paths, and there was always like a spark there. And it was it was never any sort of chemistry like obviously there there was in the, the last three years, but it was more of a friendship thing. It was never anything else. I never thought I never actually neither of us thought we would end up together, um, married. Um, but there was always. I guess I was a lot younger than her. I was sort of a junior when we first met. And then every time we saw each other, always so happy to see each other, there's always this little spark. And sort of did, both of us, neither of us really knew what it was, but we were always so excited to see each other. And I think when I did get DQ'd that year, she came up to me and she said, are you okay? And I said, not really. And she hugged me and she said she remembers watching me that day and thinking, God, I hope she's okay, what's happened? And um, we talk about all these times last 15 years where our paths had crossed but it had never been the right time. I'd been in a relationship or whatever. And then three years ago when I decided to join her, still neither of us had that intention um, at all. I just knew she was the best coach in the world. She was amazing. She had world championship titles. She'd been there herself. She had all women triathletes, the best in the world to train with. So it was a no-brainer. Um, I was more looking for having a little bit more of a nicer lifestyle. Brett's, Brett was awesome and I loved lacing training there, but um, I was getting older and I'd been in this sport for a long time and I didn't want to be scared waking up and not knowing what session we had or just, you know, being fearful of the training and what did Brett have in for me today, you know. And Siri had a little bit different approach, although we do train really hard. She make, actually makes it really fun. And um, I actually think Brett's gone more that way too now. He talks about balance, but back then there was no balance. It was all about training hard, you weren't allowed to drink, you weren't even allowed to go out for a coffee. Like, you know, God forbid if yeah. he caught us having a coffee together. But um, I could see that Siri had, she was she had a balance and there was fun and there was she was always happy and she's so passionate and that, that's what drove me to her. And then, sorry, this is a long-winded answer. No, 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 no. But, it's, um, it's exactly what it's exactly what I wanted to hear because yeah. it's... Uh, it is something that is, you know, everyone would want to know, yeah. and it's no different to when I emailed you um, to to talk to you about the interview and so forth. And I, I coach my partner, yeah. And it's sometimes the worst athlete I have to coach oh, no. because you you feel that everything can be questioned. <laughs> and I do, and I do, I do question her, not necessarily the program, because I believe a million percent what she does is obviously works. But sometimes I'll say. She'll say, you can ride three hours with Jodie. And I'll say, well, am I riding three hours with Jodie because she's got a three-hour ride or am I riding three hours with Jodie because it's good for me, it's what you want me to do? And sometimes she'll go, oh, yeah, maybe you should do hill reps. And I'll say, right, well, and that's when I get a little frustrated because I actually come last. Like I really do. When it comes to training, I am last. I yes. hardly ever have a plan, and a lot of the time, cause yes. I have a lot of but I'm last. And I say, well, where's my program? And she said, oh, I don't think you want one because I just tell you what you're doing each day. And uh, I come last, at least personal and at home, I'm always first, which is nice. Uh, Do you know what? That is going to be music to (laughs) my partner, Chris. She she edits the podcast. Yeah. That is going to be music to her ears because what she says to me all the time is, my program comes last. (laughs) Because she says, oh, I can just tell you on the day what you're doing. I said, no, I want to know what I'm doing like everybody else gets to know, you know. I want to be treated as if I'm not like an afterthought. So that means I have the right to question her a little bit sometimes because half the time I don't even have a plan, so... Well, it, it obviously is working because you had a pretty decent year in 2013. Yeah. 370.3 victories? Yeah, I kind of was on a roll. I had um, 
because I what happened? I don't. I didn't finish Kona. That's right. I had. I think I had a back spasm that year, or maybe I didn't. I get confused which year, but I didn't do Kona for some reason, and then. I went and raced Austin and I had an amazing race and I had obviously a point through because I was so fit. I was like, I need to show my fitness. And then I went and raced Shepherd and I won that. That's one of my favorite races too. And then I went and raced Canberra and I won that. Um, mind you, there wasn't, you know, great competition, but my times were good and I actually broke my record from the last few years each time. So, so it was good, but last year was just niggles, lots of little niggling injuries. So this year we just said, right, that's it. Um, my goal is just not to be injured. It sounds easier than it is, but it sounds easy to say, but it's bloody hard when you're nearly 40. <laughs> you know. Yeah, but you, you've got a number of challenge races on the horizon, haven't you? Are you looking at, um, at, at diving in to do those challenge races? So yeah. uh, now that they've taken over the Rev, C, uh, yeah. Rev 3 series... I was so excited when I heard that, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Roth is still my favourite race. Everybody asks me, and even if I was interviewed by someone for... WTC race unfortunately I would still have to say that Roth is my favorite race and I said to someone you can't you can't really explain or describe why it's better than Kona but until you've done it you'll you won't realize until you've done it and I say to them it's like Hawaii but it's Hawaii with um they have like fireworks the finish line they have like you go run through a stadium. You don't run along a leaky drive where at midnight they're, you know, the poor old age group is with the glow sticks are almost getting run over by drunk pro athletes that have finished five hours ago. Like Roth, they have it where you run around a stadium, everybody stays there, everybody has their moment, and the last finisher gets the fireworks. And there's an Aussie guy that always tries to finish last just for that reason, but the atmosphere is just <laughs> incredible. <laughs> so I'm really excited that America, has, has, the Rev 3, is now challenged because if they can be even half as good as what, what Roth is or some of those races, the challenge races, the half rate distances over there, it's going to be, it's going to be amazing. Now, you're also performing an ambassador role mm. for the Australian Triathlon Endurance and Cycling Expo. So that's yeah. its first year, isn't it, in Sydney? Yeah, it's its first year. And uh, the girl I'm working with, Vanessa, she's done an incredible job. Um, it, it's actually, it's sort of like a no-brainer. I think, why hasn't this been done before? It's sort of crazy because... When you go to a race, I always, I do love going to the expos and stuff, but sometimes you just, you don't want to be on your feet, you don't want to be standing around the day before the race, and I mean, it's good for the, for the volunteers, for the, sorry, for the spectators and your family and stuff that aren't, aren't racing, but when you're racing, you just don't want to be on your feet walking around an expo the day before a race, so I think the idea that they have, it's, it's going to be similar to that, but bigger and better, and, um, Obviously, you don't have a race to do after it. So they've got some amazing um, exhibitors. Like, there's so many. I think they have, like, got to have at least 50. And the top, oh, absolutely. Yeah, some of the top names. And um, it's really exciting. Well, it's, 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 it's like the expo to end all expos, really. Yeah, I think it's sort of like they have that um, oh, Filex for, you know, the personal yes, trainers. Fitness, I think yep. it's going to be big. Hopefully, it's big, if not bigger than that. And yeah. it's, it's awesome because it's, it's never been done before. And it's going to be in Sydney at the... Um, at the uh, dome, so yeah, it's great. Yeah, yeah. it's huge. Yeah, I'm going to get them on the show and do a, a, a five minute focus on on the particular event and get uh, Vanessa to have a chat about it because <laughs> how many athletes love their expos? I and, do. I do. And and you're really disappointed if you go to a race and the expo's not that great. I know. So exactly. This, yeah. Yeah. yeah, this is this is actually going to be awesome. So I'm I'm really happy that you're you're helping support that event. Now you're you're coaching, um, and as you're getting towards the end of the uh, the the actual competitive career, um, you can see yourself moving into coaching full time. Uh, you know what? Um, 
Siri says, you're so good at it. And I say, I do. I do love it. I do. But I don't feel like it's, it's my passion after the sport, to be honest. And all my age groupers are going to go, oh, that's not very nice. Come on, Beck. <laughs> but no, I'll, I will keep a few athletes. Um, at the moment, I have 15. And God forbid, I can't take on any more. And every week, poor old Siri, she gets like, I would say she would get five requests a day. And they all come to me. She forwards them to me. And I say, Siri, I can't take any more. And so we had this idea of developing training plans. But we, we're so one-on-one and we want that personal touch and approach. And they're selling quite well. But um, even in saying that, like I have an online um, email address where they can email me any questions. So it's almost like they're getting one-on-one anyway. But um, I, do, I do love the coaching, but I don't really feel like um, it's going to be my calling. I would still definitely coach a few athletes. Uh, I love the hands-on stuff. Like I, The online stuff for me, I want to see people and I want to see them sort of every day. So I think the camps are going to be something big that Suri and I want to create. Um, they've got a triathlon research camp coming up in Boulder, which I'm working with, which is pretty awesome. And then, um, But I, it's really funny that you ask this because I actually would like to be a real estate agent. <laughs> I know, I know. It's funny. Everyone's going to go, what? And I'm not a salesperson at all, but I'm honest. And I've looked at real estate with mum and dad since I was about six years old. And I could just about, not being cocky, but I could just about go down any street and value a house by just looking at the outside, just from knowledge of, you know, looking at stuff, looking at property since I was a kid. And dad was really into it. Mum was really into it. And Siri and I have competitions where she'll go, how much? I go, oh, seven, seven fifty, $7.70. And she'll be like way off. She'll be like 300000 off. And I'll look, I'll go, yep, seven fifty. She said, how do you know that stuff? And I just love it. I'm really passionate about it. So God knows if I'll make okay. any money or any sales about it, but it's kind of like triathlon. Like you have no idea if you're ever going to make money. You do all this hard work and you don't know if you're going to make money out of the sale of the property. So it's kind of like triathlon. You do all this hard work and you, don't, you can get let down. You might not even finish the race or, you know, whatever. So I, someone said to me, you're going to hate it because you don't get rewarded, you know, for your work. I said, well, it's like bloody triathlon. You don't get rewarded for all your training hours. So I'll fit you quite, in quite well there. <laughs> well, I, I think you, Bex, you're going to have to go down as my uh, of my, in my short podcasting career. I think we've covered just about yeah, everything now. Everything. Just about. I think we've yeah. ca- we've ca- so I think you've been my most entertaining <laughs> interview that I've ever done because oh, really I can go and I think I can retire now because we've no, we've covered can't. every you have single to let base. Me <laughs> no. uh, yeah. Well, okay. Well, we'll find a race, definitely. Well, I reckon you're just saying this to get me on side so that I don't check you when you come back. Uh, well, I think yeah. <laughs> I need to, I'm, uh, I'm doing. Ch- uh, I might be doing Cairns, oh, so we're we'll over to do Cairns. Yeah, one. so do Cairns. But other than that, we'll just have to see. Okay. I, I, I'm going to go to your website now and find out what your race calendar uh, is. Ah, well, if you need any coaching, <laughs> mate, I'm always available. You know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Bex. Well, thank you so much for taking some time out to talk to us uh, this evening over in Boulder. And it's been just a fascinating um, sort of chat about your life. And and, and I appreciate how candid you've been in the subjects that you've allowed me to to talk about with you. So best of luck that you have an injury-free season and that... You get your real estate ticket that you're selling million dollar properties. Yeah, I probably shouldn't have said that because now if I actually don't do very well at it, everyone's going to ask me what I'm going to be doing <laughs> after triathlon. But you'll be back. You'll be back coaching on pool deck. Yeah, with yeah. If you see that, you know it hasn't worked out. Yeah, I'm not much of a, I'm not much of a BS artist or a salesperson, so we'll have, we'll have to see how that career goes. But um, I have a passion for it, so anything I'm passionate about, if I have the same drive as I did for triathlon, I might go okay. <laughs> I, I have every confidence. <laughs> Thanks. All right, mate. Thank you so much. No worries. Good talking to you.
What a lovely lady. Honestly, I, 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 I'm putting my hand on my heart here and saying that that was um, one of the, the, the most, I, I think, comprehensive interviews I've been able to do with an athlete to date and mm. such an honest and open account of her story to date that I was, uh, yeah, I, I said to uh, Bex after the interview, I said, you know, that was really, I, I've been lucky enough to interview a lot of people now and it was just really uh, uh, heart-wrenching, you know, yeah. at times, but she's such a positive character that it was like, wow, man, you, yeah, I hope good things are still on the horizon for her, um, at, both as a real estate agent, if that's what she does, <laughs> yes. or in the rest of her racing career. Have that, Cam here again. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed that. I just wanted to say thank you to Bev, uh, Mickey, and Chris from Footer Radio for letting us share that on our own feed. Uh, it's one of my favourite for podcasts for everything triathlon related. So if you want to check it out, you can do that at footer.co.nz. That's F-I-T-T-E-R.co.nz.